I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. It is perhaps the most important day of the year, guys. I'm talking about, of course, it's Cinco de Mayo. Yes. You it's know, also... So they're gonna... There's going to be chips, there's going to be salsa, there's going to be margaritas, and there will probably also be chicas locas! <laughs> I, I can't eat chips right now. Oh. Why can't you eat chips? I had a wisdom tooth taken out this week. Oh. Just go down the other You go down the other side. <laughs> That's all you got to do. You just shift sides, man. You got to shift. I, I am not risking that. Any respectable dentist will tell you that. You just shift. Yeah. Just have some tortillas. Just have a margarita. Have a margarita for Christ's sake. Then. Yeah. Right. Now I had Mexican last night, and oh yeah, yeah. you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plenty of nice soft foods. <laughs> it is also <laughs> Revenge of the Fifth, and it is also Free Comic Book Day. Free Comic Book Day. That's crazy talk. So this is this is going to a comic. This is going to a comic shop and steal a comic day. Correct. You just go in, you just take it right off the shelves. Whichever one you want. Yeah. Or I recommend going for those great big thick trade paperbacks. You know, you know, more for your opportunity. <laughs> Make sure you get an absolute edition. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or take one of the comics that specifically says free comic book day at the top of it. Or you could do that. That seems lame. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, but you know, crazy talk. If if you want to not get in trouble, then do that. So, Paul, what are you doing today for Free Comic Book Day? Well, uh, after we record, I am going to one of the local comic book shops, not the one that I broke up with. I'm, I'm going to go to a, a different one because <laughs> um, that would be awkward. It, w- it would be so yeah. awkward. I ran into the owner at a bar once, and like he saw me and he left. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the comic book story thing. It's just if Paul's at a bar, you don't want to be at that bar. Well, yeah. That's true. Well, there's that. That's, I, I often feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, I'm going to go to uh, a local comic store. I'm going to pick up the uh, the Avengers, the Spider-Man. I think those are pretty much the, the main ones that I'm interested in. Um, you know, the DC offerings this year are pretty lame. They're uh, because they released DC Nation number zero earlier in the week. Uh, which I was able to get free online, but most comic shops are handing that out for free this weekend, um, as opposed to charging the, the cover price quarter. Yes, yeah, uh, because uh, I, I guess DC just wanted to. Uh, I think one of the reasons DC did that, and we'll talk about this here in a minute, um, is that uh, they wanted to be able to release it digitally as well. And I think for Free Comic Book Day, generally those comics are only available in comic shops because the intent is to get people into comic shops. Uh huh. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that's exactly why they do that. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about but. the free comic book day books this week, but should anything interesting pop up in our reading, I think Wayne and I are both attending a comic shop. I don't know, Tim, Aaron, you guys hitting a comic shop? I am not. I am not either. Okay. Well, should Wayne and I come across anything interesting, we'll let you know all about it next week. Next week. There you go. There you go. Very exciting. Well, this week, big news announcement from DC uh, and Warner Brothers. Uh, DC has... A f- Um, put a name on their streaming service and it is called the DC universe. Um, So even though they haven't actually said price point launch date um, or what product offerings it'll have, they did announce their original, their launch uh, titles, original content, or at least some of their launch titles. So they're going to have Titans um, live action teen Titan show. 
uh, Young Justice Outsiders. They're going to have the previously announced Harley Quinn animated series and um, newly announced. So, so the other three were already announced, but newly announced this week is that James Wan, um, the director of the upcoming Aquaman film, as well as the guy behind The Conjuring and Annabelle and The Nun and Saw and Insidious, um, is going to be producing a Swamp Thing, live action Swamp Thing uh, show for them, which has been given a script to series order. Uh, the first episode will be written by Mark for Hayden and um, one of the co-writers of the movie It. So definitely going for a horror vibe with that Swamp Thing TV series. Yeah, I am excited about that because I don't want another streaming service, but a DC streaming service, I'd pay for that. I, I'm definitely going for the DC streaming service. Um, in fact, this... No, I was... Aaron, I think I'm going to cancel my CBS All Access this week. Well, you know, you wouldn't be the only one. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I genuinely have no need for it right now. So I think yeah. I'm 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 out on the D, on the uh, CBS All Access. Save that eight dollars for uh, DC or DC Universe or uh, the upcoming Disney service. I'm assuming Star Trek is over for the season. Yeah, yeah, we won't see we won't see fresh Star Trek until 2019. Mm. I would love to see the numbers on their CBS streaming service as it goes literally off a cliff. I saw I read an article this week and they were showing, you know, all these huge enrollments, you know, when Star Trek was on. And then like the month after just plummeted. And of course, that's what this was uh, leaked information. It wasn't anything that CBS published. But, uh, you know, I, I they. They have not made a convincing argument to maintain your subscription, um, you know, because there's just not enough original content out there. And the, the you would think that some of the things that they would have out there would be there, you know, like old CBS content. And it's just not there. Yeah, it's a very shallow pool of, of a library. They're really trying to hype this upcoming Strange Angel TV series. Yeah. I keep getting emails about it. Um, yeah, not interested. Yeah, it's based on a novel. Um <laughs> A brilliant and ambitious blue-collar worker of the 1930s uh, who falls into a mysterious world, including sex magic rituals at night. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to be... I mean, don't get me wrong. Sex rituals sounds interesting and all, but, you know. <laughs> but it's CBS. Now, if it were an HBO show that was talking sex rituals... Well, we, and to be fair, CBS gave, gave us Klingon boobs, so... That's true. That's true. And boy, they showed you that every week when they could. Yeah. Oof. And the F <laughs> and and double cling on penis. Don't forget double cling no, on penis. Right. Double cling on penis. How could I forget? How you how can you forget that? I mean, it's burned into my brain now. Yeah. I wake up screaming in the middle of the night. <laughs> Thinking about double cling on penis. DKP. Penis! <laughs> Uh, well, as if DC Universe wasn't exciting enough, DC this week released their DC Nation number zero. Uh, let me try that without the lisp. DC Nation number zero. Um, uh, so like Aaron mentioned, the cover price for the print version is 25 cents, though most comic shops are giving it away for free. Digitally, it's available for free. Three stories in this book that are... Bas these are basically... Um, they're original content, uh, but they're basically like prequels or uh, advertising for um, three stories. Uh, the Batman Wedding, Bendis' run on Superman, and uh, the upcoming Justice League No Justice crossover. Uh, so um, they have got stories from Tom King and Clay Mann, Bendis, and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. 
Scott Snyder, James Tinian the Fourth, and Joshua Williamson, and Jorge Jimenez, and all of us picked this up. So Wayne, what did you think of DC Nation number zero? I love the Joker story at the uh, basically Joker dealing with was he invited to Batman's wedding, which I'm really curious how he found out Batman and Catwoman are getting married. Well, a banana but, told him. He told you. <laughs> exactly. So I was really curious about what they're going to do with that. And that, yeah, I'm a huge Joker fan. So I enjoyed that quite a bit. I hated everything else in this book. Uh, the Superman story by Bendis. Once again, I'm shown that Bendis is going to be writing a Superman story I don't want to see. The first preview gave us the the whole, you know, Krypton was destroyed secretly storyline that I don't want to see again. And now we have a Lois's missing story is one of his primary stories, which, again, I don't want to see. I'm enjoying the uh, the Lois and Clark interplay. So, yeah, did not care for that one at all either. And I just hated everything with the Justice League story. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Aaron, what did you think? I, you know, uh, this is one of those rare occasions where uh, Wayne and I are on the same page. I did not care for the Superman story one little bit. Uh, it strikes me as the way that uh, Bendis creates his complications in his Superman storytelling is to fuck up the stuff I like. And, uh, you know, I don't I like the Lois and Superman relationship. I like. I like the fact that they're that they have established a home life. And so that's my cheese, right? You know, that's the thing that I'm on. That's my reward. And, you know, the uh, you know, his his first step is to come and take Lois off the page, right? And and I just that bugs the tar out of me. Um, it, it just, it, and it, it strikes me as cheap storytelling, you know, that there, I, I truly believe that, you know, I, that Jurgens and, and the, the up till now current, uh, Superman team was, were telling fantastic stories. And this is just not, not promising in terms of the Bendis run. Um, I agree. I think the justice league storyline was, uh, was uh, not particularly entertaining with all the various Justice League teams, you know, team mystery, team what have you, uh, all led by, you know, one led by Batman, one led by Wonder Woman, one led by Superman. I mean, it was just all uh, uh, a little much. This is one of those uh, – we're shaping up for a Justice League story on par – and I don't mean this in a good way, <laughs> on par with the Grant Morrison uh, Superman story, uh, Justice League stories. Um, I, I, those were always, you know, cosmic in, in, at, in level and, and, a, and a bit absurd. And I, and I feel like this is what this is shaping up to be as well. So not particularly uh, excited about that. But I did think that the the Joker story, you know, sort of the prelude to the uh, uh, Batman wedding, I thought that was very entertaining. Um, and I, and I, you know, you you're kind of you know, you knew spoilers, you knew Joker's going to kill this guy, you knew Joker was going to kill this guy, and yeah, you know, you're but you're you're kind of led to well, you start questioning that. Well, is he is he? But yeah, yeah, he kills the guy. <laughs> I just I, I it was a, it was a whole scene. I mean, how many pages? Eight, nine, ten pages of them waiting for a letter to be delivered for, uh, you know, for a wedding that we don't, you know, uh, I won't ruin that part for you. But, you know, the uh, I, I, just, I, I love the anticipation of it. You had the anticipation of is the letter going to come or not? And is Joker going to kill this guy or not? 
I, I thought it was very well told. And for such a mundane sort of setting, uh, I thought it was it was told very well visually as well as in the narrative. I love that Joker says that he kills people when he's upset, and then he says he kills people when he's happy. Right. Well, you know, there are a couple of uh, of panels where Joker is just horrifying. You know, like there's the the one scene where you know he says, "God dang it, get, get my, my screen go." He says, "Eh, you wouldn't get it." You know, he's, he's about telling him a joke, and then he just smiles at the guy, and I mean, he just looks demonic in in that in that that frame. Uh, I just, I, I love that. And I love this. I love that the scared guy tries to save his life by talking about his daughter. Right. Like that's yeah. going to be the move that sways well, Joker. He's trying to humanize her, right? And humanize himself in the process. You know, he's doing that thing that you do when when someone has uh, taken a hostage. You know, you, you make them seem like a person. You make them feel out the corners of their life. And so he's trying that that gambit. And then when he has the opportunity, he takes Joker's gun and shoots him with it. And, of course, the little flag comes out that says, bang. <laughs> And of course, you know, Joker gives him that look. I mean, that that look that Joker gives him just kills me. It's great. It's a great story. No, I'd agree. I, I agree with the, the the sentiment with the Joker story. Um, I've got I've got two things. Um, in theory, I I would like a story where the existential crisis is so much that you see an unusual team up of heroes and villains. Mm-hmm. I I if that would I I, I do. I like that dynamic, it, and I want to give it a chance. But boy, do I not like it <clears throat> when that existential crisis is just a ridiculously tall person. Yeah, not not my cup of tea. And this is going to come up again in a little bit, just so you know. Spoiler. Um, so I don't know. I I I, I wanted to give that a shot because I, I like the idea of Superman working with Sinestro, you know. And and for some reason, Starro being on the same page <laughs> as the Justice League. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, it's just, I don't know. It just seems uninteresting because, like I said, really tall people. Right. Yeah. Um, I, okay. Go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, I'm no. kind of on board with you guys. For, well, I, I'm not fully on board, right? Like, I, I like the Joker story quite a bit, um, uh, which is funny because I'm going to talk about another Tom King book in a minute that I... I hated um and now i'm over two on bendis superman stories and uh i'm i'm th- it's it's starting to turn into a genuine concern for me uh, yeah so you know he he jose Lu- jose luis garcia lopez came out of retirement he did that story with bruce tim which showed off some amazing art but then bendis wrote a newsroom story mm-hmm. and i'm like you have like one one of, one the, of the few living legends in dc history yeah. right yeah who can still draw yeah, yeah. Who can still draw? Exactly. Yeah, and and you, you, you yeah, because there was no issue with art with this. No, but you you just you you have them do newsroom stories like just people standing around a room watching Perry speak, like uh, not not a good use of his talent. Um, well, and I was I will say I was highly amused at the amount of staff at the Daily Planet. You know that there are that there are so many people there that they're hanging over the rails of the of the upper level to look down and listen to Perry speak. And I'm like, um, this is the 21st century. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got more than 50 people working at, at a newspaper, I, I you know, <laughs> I, I don't know who you are. You must have traveled forward in time. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know? I'm imagining something is going to be explained because yeah, that, that, 
that is not a realistic representation of a modern newsroom. Right. Um, now, I will say, unlike you guys, I actually did enjoy the Justice League stuff. I didn't love it, um, but I enjoyed the concept of it. Uh, I liked the different teams. I liked the the characters they brought, and it kind of, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Justice League Unlimited, the animated series, which I think is probably the vibe they're going for. Um, I enjoyed it, and I liked the art. Uh, so I, 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 it, I wasn't blown away by it, but I was interested enough that I will be picking up Justice League number or Justice League No Justice, which I guess comes out next week. It says. Um, mm-hmm. I did, you know, Tim's gonna. We're gonna talk about this book here in a bit. But I found it interesting how similar the story is to another book that came out this week. Um, you know, it, they, they two books in the same week, two big books in the same week, basically had the same story. So, speaking of that book that I hate, Aaron, <laughs> fuck Sorry, me, that Batman forty this this booster gold story in Batman, I I can't take it. It's so bad. It is, you know, and the the thing that's disturbing about it is, and the artwork is gorgeous. It is. The artwork is just gorgeous, but wow, the uh, Booster Gold story is rough. And, you know, it's, uh, here's the thing. It's written by Tom King, who I love, and he's done some great stuff. He's not, you know, don't get me wrong. He's not knocked it out of the park on every story, but even his bad stories haven't been unreadable. Um, Mm -hmm. Dude just does not get Booster Gold. Yeah. Um, He writes Booster Gold as if Booster Gold was Deadpool. Like, it feels like I'm reading a Deadpool book. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. He he writes Booster as if Booster is not. You know, Booster can be an idiot, right? And yeah. and Booster can be vain, but he is at, at at his core a hero, and it forgets everything Booster has learned under the hand of Dan Jurgens, right? Yeah. Uh, about how time works and his respect respect for the for the time continuity, and you know what Booster does is he wants to demonstrate. He wants to give Batman a gift, which is why this this uh, arc is called The Gift. And by doing so, he shows him what his life would be like if he weren't Batman. So to, to be kind of like an it's a it's a wonderful life sort of scenario and show, hey, you know, Batman is your right choice. But of course, the world that he gives him is a world in which both of his parents are alive. Bruce never takes on the mantle of the bat. And, you know, this Bruce Wayne you know, is happy to be with his uh, mom and dad. Catwoman is, you know, apparently a, uh, a, a a murdering monster. And I mean, it's just it's a very different world. And I don't see I don't see why someone would do this because, you know, you 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 create this other timeline. There's no guarantee that that other person's going to uh, want to switch back. Yeah. Right. Well, and on and, top of that. Right. So he it boosters. What's weird about it is that we just had a storyline in Action Comics where Booster says, no, you can't undo the past. And on top of that, you know, Booster's justification is that, you know, he remembers that Superman, um, you know, in for the man who has everything, you know, uh, like he he got to see another life and it showed him you know, how, how things could have gone. And so that's his justification for doing this for Batman. But, like, it just goes horribly awry. And I just don't see that as something Booster would do. Agreed. You know, I, when I was looking through Comixology, I saw Booster was in this issue. And I almost bought it, but I read the description. And my initial thought was, that is not something Booster would do. And I didn't buy it strictly for that reason of, I thought I would be angry at the Booster story. 
Well, you know, I read the issue 45 and I'm like, okay, I didn't like this, but, you know, maybe it'll be explained better in issue two. You know, we'll get more, you know, uh, maybe issue two will justify this storyline. And I got to tell you, issue two just got worse. Like, it just got worse. And Booster's decisions got worse and worse and worse. Um, So I'm really not digging this storyline. Yeah, no, it's 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 way out of character. You know, it it it. What Tom King has done with Booster is he's just changed the character to suit the story he wants to tell, as opposed to creating a circumstance where somebody would do this. Yeah, and, I mean he's just he's just used Booster, you know, and like he's a plastic sort of character and just molded him into the shape that he needs Booster to be in for the story. And it it's it is a slap in the face to, to folks like Paul and I who are Booster Gold fans. Well, and unfortunately, I. Found the same issues in Action Comics Special Number One, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, this is supposedly the end cap on Dan Jurgen's run for Action Comics. You know, concluding a lot of pieces, which I got to find. You know, I got to say, like, I didn't know how many un you know open plot threads there were in Action Comics, but I guess for Jurgen's, it was you know this Lex Luthor thing. But reading you this know, book, you know, I found the same issue about molding Lex Luthor. All the progress that Lex Luthor has made. That's not the Lex Luthor that I'm reading in this book. Right. Well, and I don't feel like we ever got where Dan Jurgens wanted to go with Lex Luthor. And I don't know why that happened, because we, we had a lot promised about what was going to happen with Luthor. And we just kind of never got there. You know, it's like it, the, the, we had the whole him taking on the mantle of dark side and then never really embraced it. In fact, you know, we had that whole storyline where he's trying to fob it off on Superman. Right. Um, I, that's not the Lex Luthor I know. And and that was frustrating to me. And it just kind of feels like this Lex Luthor, the, you know, the seeds of the Lex Luthor storyline uh, really kind of failed to launch a long time ago and then to spend – an entire issue wrapping up that storyline that never really went anywhere uh, seemed like some wasted time to me. Yeah. 100% agreed. What did you now, guys t- think? Yeah. You know, I, so I, I guess what I would say is it depended on what you wanted out of the Lex Luthor storyline. Cause what, what I read in this book was that the Lex Luthor that we have is, 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 it's, he's kind of like the three quarters done turkey in the oven. You know what he's going to be. He'll get there in his own time. But, like, this Superman keeps pushing him, you know? <laughs> like, oh, why don't you just come into my into my office again by breaking the glass <laughs> and, and accusing me of doing something I didn't do? You know, and, like, I, I still saw the elements of, of the Lex Luthor that wanted to help people because Lois rightfully told him, hey, don't do that. You These people are in danger. And you don't see it, but you know that he doesn't. He does. He does help them because he doesn't get to hear what's going on in the in the major fight, like in the building or whatever. Which I'm sure is the real reason Lois told him that. Uh, I, I I I would I don't I don't think so. I think that might be giving them too much credit. Um, but so to me. I, I got I got something out of this. I got the whole this Superman is going to keep. Well, I mean, assuming Brian Michael Bendis picks up some of the things that were put put out there, which is somewhat doubtful. That 
there's going to be a, a a turn for Lex Luthor that's more facilitated by Superman as opposed to Superman being there and facilitating that turn kind of in its own time. I guess is what I'd say. I liked I liked it when in the in the comics of the uh, of the, of the last last year or so where Lex Luthor he kept thinking he was the bad guy and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that was good. And I like the times where they teamed up and, uh, the, the, you know, there's a storyline a couple of years ago where they were getting hunted on a planet and Superman didn't have his powers. And Lex basically saved his ass. Right. So I I don't know. I like the, I guess the way to say it is love-hate relationship. And it felt like this was the end of that. This is the end of them having that grudging work together in, in cases of uh, grave danger kind of situation. Except, of course, in the Justice League thing coming up, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, I agree with Tim here. Of uh, It really seems like this, like the, the modern Lex Luthor is, he wants to be a hero. He needs help along the path. And the distrust is going to drive him down down that path. He's going to, because he's never really accepted He's going to get more and more resentful and become what everyone thinks he is. And that's why we see future Luther so bitter. So, you know, there are a couple of other stories in this book. And one that I particularly disliked was uh, Suprema Est Lex, uh, written by uh, Mark Russell and uh, drawn by Jill Thompson. Uh, it, it largely tells the story of Lois and Clark at the White House Correspondence Dinner, which I actually thought was a really great idea. Uh, I'm a big fan of watching those uh, White House correspondence dinners, um, not the recent ones, but uh, you know certainly the ones during the uh, Bush and Clinton administrations. Uh, what I found, I thought it was a great idea, but so poorly executed. For instance, uh, the the jokes that Lois and Clark are telling aren't particularly funny, uh, though. There, what I thought was was. Uh, really unusual and a weird choice for the book was having Clark roast Superman and Superman's friends uh, for him to be, you know, up there giving Superman a humanitarian award. I just, you know, Clark is so humble. Um, I just don't think that he ever would have done that. I think that he would have had someone else do it, even if that other person is Lois. I don't think Clark would 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 put himself in a position where he would be delivering essentially a, an award to himself. Um, and, I, and I, go ahead, Wayne. So I completely agree there. It's that is something he would do everything to avoid. Mm-hmm. And if Superman's getting a humanitarian award, I would think they would want Superman there. Right. Uh, as far as the jokes go, I did enjoy Lois's comment about uh, being the one of the few newspapers not owned by LexCorp and wanting to thank her boss for whose leadership made it not worth owning. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy that joke, but all of the Justice League ones really fell flat for me. Honestly, yeah. it's just a weird story. Yes, it's it, it, it's a weird story. It, it felt like um, I mean, you know, the whole moon pie thing. You know, like yes. oh god, yeah. It just kind of uh, felt it, like a like a catalog story that they'd use to just fill up the back the back matter. 
It yeah, felt and, like and, one of those old hostess ads, kind of. It really did. You know, you're absolutely right. Yeah, the, the Moon Pie reference is that, you know, there, there is apparently a uh, piece of security cam footage where Lex Luthor, after having, you know, done, you know, done some crime, stops and takes a break for a Moon Pie snack. And you see him making comments like, mm, Moon Pie, so good. And, uh, you know, that's what gets him caught. And so, you know, people take to then calling him Moon Pie. This story was an insult to Lex Luthor. Well, and I mean, you know, Lex Luthor has the guy in the bathroom, you know, beaten up for calling him Moon Pie. Uh, Lex Luthor should have had the uh, writer and artist beaten up on this book. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> like like the, the, that commentary, Solomon Grundy would say something like that. That's right. I'm like, yeah, yeah. are you kidding me? Like... Yeah, this and guy fact, is, the, is the leader the of a, a large corporation, and yeah, you can you can you can catch him making a mistake, but make it a smart mistake, yeah. make it a catch, don't yeah, make it the, a stupid thing. And the direct line was "time for a victory moon pie," which, to Wayne's point, sounds exactly like dialogue from one of those old Hostess cupcake ads from uh, the seventies and eighties. Which here's the thing: if that's the story they were telling. That would be fun, like, like you yeah. know, like a, like an homage to those old, uh, you know, hostess ads. That would be kind of funny. But this was not funny, nor was it entertaining, nor was it particularly well drawn. It was just a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, and similarly, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. the the Max Landis uh, Francis Manupol story, driver's seat, which is which joins two stories together, which are connected by an incident but are so wildly different. And I mean, it, it just, the, the two saying, you know, played such different notes. It was discordant to me. Right. I, I, I got to the end of this. I'm like, seriously, that's it. That's where this was going. Uh, I, I, I as much as I, I have enjoyed Max Landis's work on, uh, what was that? American alien. Yeah. And I think called? this was unused material from American alien. So I don't even know that oh, really? this was the full, uh, story. Um, originally, perhaps this is, you know, pieces of a larger book that just never got completed or something along those lines. Because to your point, yeah, they they set up this whole like redemption arc for this guy at the beginning with the jetpack that has n pretty much nothing to do with the end other than the fact that there was a crashed car. But yeah, uh, it's it's odd. It, it, it is an odd story. Yeah, it's a story that has potential. It does. But with it another 10 pages, maybe. It. Like, yeah. that's something that makes it make sense. Because generally, it doesn't make sense. I like the art, uh, but you guys know I like Francis Manupol. I just, I, it was just so weird the way it ended and the, the looks between Lois and Clark. Uh, it's just weird. It's a weird, weird story. And, you know, the, 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 the Lois story, she wrecks her car. And it's the car that she's had for 12 years. It's the car that got her through college. She loved that car. She wanted more time with that car. You know, she, she wasn't prepared to say goodbye. So, for Christmas, Superman gives her a car seat and a steering wheel, presumably from her old her old beaten up car, uh, and flies her across the sky. Yeah, the end. The end. Yeah. Well, you know what's weird is he's standing on the roof with this car seat, right? Right. And her response is, "Why are you like this? Like, yeah, that what is that? What does that yeah. mean? Yeah, <laughs> that is such an unusual piece of dialogue. Why are you like this? Well, and and. To your earlier point, it would make a whole lot of sense if that's a reference to a line of dialogue in a story that we haven't seen. Yeah. 
because I think you're probably right. I think this probably is cribbed from you know unused content from uh, American Alien. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, American Alien's fantastic. I love that book. But this is not that. I mean, and and if if this was cut from that, I get it, because uh, this this was this story was crap. Yeah. Just crap. Well. Ugh. So now we've harshed on three books from DC. Not a good DC week, <laughs> even though we bought, you know, DC books. So let's hop on over to the big book uh, release from Marvel this week: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, The Avengers Number One, from Jason Aaron. Ed and Ed McGuinness on art. Um, the book starts with the Avengers of 1 million BC, Odin, Phoenix, Black Panther, Iron Fist, Starbrand, the Sorcerer Supreme, and Agamotto, I think. Um, whoever the Spirit of Vengeance was. I think it was Agamotto. Um, yeah, Agamotto was the Spirit, was the Sorcerer Supreme, and the Spirit of Vengeance was... The Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah. Yeah, just Spirit of Vengeance. Um, so... Uh, Aaron did not read this, but Tim and Wayne read it. So, Wayne... Well, actually, you know what? Now, Tim hates starting. <laughs> so, Wayne, you go uh, ahead and start. I'm going to say Aaron was the lucky one. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, I hate these Avengers of BC. I've seen them before, and uh, it was like the first issue of Spirits of Vengeance, I think, and uh, one of the other previous books to have established this team. And I just don't like this team to begin with. Uh, it is cool seeing Starbrand, but I, I just don't like the team. I came into this with the mindset of, okay, they're getting the band back together. We're going to have Tony, and we're going to have Thor, and we're going to have Steve all back together. And you know, I was going to be all excited about it. And it really fell flat for me. It it didn't feel like it had like the dynamics weren't there between them. It didn't feel right. The characters didn't feel, I don't want to go so far as to say they were out of character, but they just didn't feel right. And I am tired of big giant things coming from the sky to face off against. And we're getting another one of those stories. How do you make this a bigger deal? You kill celestials. Okay. I I want something more personal out of these characters than a big celestial story. It just left me feeling flat and I can't really put a, my finger on exactly what was wrong with their interactions, but it wasn't the getting the band back together that I had hoped it would be. They were, they were defeated. They were deflated in a bar sitting around moping. Like everybody's like, Oh man. Yeah. It's been a rough, few let's just say years um that's and uh you know what that's probably really honest to where these characters are in the marvel universe right now they even talk about it themselves about their you know what they've gone through and man it sucks but like coming off i don't know coming off uh that's not what you want for a number one issue you I, to me you want the hope and you want the the excitement of getting you know getting a team back together T to me they were really trying to come up with reasons not to yeah they constantly between them and i think only one of them actually wanted to put the team back together the rest of them are there's no Am they don't want it at best yeah, yeah. ambivalent at best against it you know in in places um, talking about how others are now better for leading the team and that said, Jason Aaron writes the hell out of comic books. And and number one issues are always going to be a little tricky. And I was 
I was even with even with that goddamn Ghost Rider character, I was gonna go with him on this ride, and then these giant fuckers come falling out of the sky, and I'm like, I so don't care. Galactus is one of my least favorite characters, guys, and so to put up basically it, the Galactus-sized characters all over the place. Oh God, I think I think what I'm gonna do. Um, because I, I do like Jason Aaron, is I'm going to wait for this first series to be, this, this first story arc to be over. And then maybe once everybody's, because in this book, not everybody's in the same place on the cover. I think once we get to that point and there's more character interaction and they've actually formed the team even begrudgingly, I think that's when I, I, I try to hit the button and try again. Because de- Jason Aaron's definitely earned the benefit of the doubt for me when he went, you know, in his Marvel writing. But this right here, oh man, it was it was tough. I gotta well, Paul, say, what'd you think? I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, I, I, I hate to say it, but I liked it. I knew it. that I, was coming. I like the Avengers of one million BC, and I, I know I've talked about this before, and I know we have conflicting opinions on this, but I fucking love Ed McGinnis art. I really love Ed McGinnis. I love that everything he draws looks like an old He-Man action figure. Um, so I, I really. I mean, the the art scratched me right where I itch. Um, If I had one qualm, it would be something that I think we're just going to have to accept if we want to read Marvel Comics, which is the imitation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Uh, They're basic. You know, there's a a lengthy sequence where Tony, um, Steve Rogers and Thor uh, meet at a bar and it feels like it's ripped straight out of uh, like, you know, a post credit sequence or a beginning sequence in, uh, you know, an MCU movie. Uh, you know, the characters very much feel in line with their movie counterparts, which, again, I feel we're just going to have to accept. Yeah. Um, it's and, the MCUification of, of the 616. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and Doctor Strange, much the same way. You know, Black Panther, much the same way. You know, these are not the characters as Hickman wrote them. These are the characters as Jason Aaron writes them. And Jason Aaron is, you know, right now he's writing big bombastic action. And that's what this book felt like. This book felt like the first issue of a crossover, more so than it felt like the first issue of The Avengers. Um, but you know, I think by the end of the storyline, the, the gang will be together and we'll have an Avengers team. Cause right now we don't, we have, uh, we have three, we have the main three and the, the book ends with Iron Man, Thor and, um, Captain America together, you know, with Captain America yelling Avengers assemble, um, you know, as they face the final host, uh, who has, um, been killing Celestials. So I, even though. Like Tim said, you know, it's kind of similar to the story we're getting in DC Nation with the, you know, the giant things. I I like characters facing giant things. I like Galactus. I like that kind (laughs) of story. So I get that it's not Tim's bag and I can see where Wayne's concerns come from. But for me, this, this, like when I think of Avengers, I, I, I think of this. I think of this kind of book. I think of, you know, you know, Ed McGinnis art, big, bold colors action 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 um and so i liked it and yeah, I, I, love I, I do trust in jason aaron i love galactus but i don't like celestials and the difference is galactus has personality and talks to you and you know who he is versus the celestials have always been quiet and bland to me yeah, yeah. galactus is a character celestials are a force of nature and while force of nature stories can be fine they don't excite me like a character does. No, I hear I you. Hate it when Wayne, 
I hate it when Wayne says things I agree with. It just drives me crazy. Stupid Wayne. <laughs> so I, I've crapped on a number of books this week. And, you know, you know me, guys. I, I'm not here to curse your darkness. I want to light a candle. And uh, I discovered a comic this week. It's not in their outline, but I'm just going to throw it out there real quick. The hell? Uh, I know. Crazy, right? Um if you're going to go to the comic book store today for a free comic book day, you know, and remember, you can just take any comic that you want. I any think that's I, that's my understanding of free comic book day is just all the comics are free. Grab yourself a copy of DJN, D-J-I-N-N. Uh, it is from Europe Comics, and I have never read anything from Europe Comics before, had not even really was familiar with Europe Comics it is a pan-European comics and graphic novel digital venture run by 13 European comics publishers from eight European countries. And so they, if they it's have, a digital venture, will it even be in physical? Um, I, I, they, they do print. They, they, these comics do come uh, in print and they're released in America. They're probably under a different uh, uh, publishing banner, though. But, you know, you can go over to Comixology and pick this up. That's where I picked it up. So and sadly, I don't think you can just take it from there. But uh, the it is uh, written by Jean Dufault and with art by Anna Morales. And it tells the story of Harem as a political weapon. And the, the stories that it tells is, is there's two stories going on simultaneously. One is set in, in 1912. Uh, just before the beginning of uh, the First World War. Uh, and the other is told in modern day, the gr uh, granddaughter or great-granddaughter of the uh, main character from the World War I story. And it is beautifully told visually. The artwork is amazing. It's a 17-plus story, so you know there, there is some nudity in the book, uh, but it is it is uh, not what I would characterize as graphic nudity. Uh, very picturesque. Uh, again, marvelously told visually, marvelously uh, translated. Um, it is just a fantastic book. The uh, the, the books are, are sold in volumes, and they're about 50, 52 pages each volume for about a $6.00. Uh, cover price on uh, Comixology. It is brilliant. I bought it on a Lark. Uh, you know, I had one of those you might also like. I'm like, huh, that's a great cover. And, you know, I started looking on the inside and uh, reading the synopses. And, I, and I, I bought the first issue because I didn't spend a whole lot this week in comics. Uh, the, uh, the my new my, my new books didn't uh, interest me all that much. So I went and got this. And I mean, I just consumed this book and I've already bought the next volume. I mean, it is just fantastic. Uh, like I said, just a beautifully written, beautifully drawn book. I highly recommend it. Hmm. I might have to check it out. I do like nudity yeah. and I like harems. <laughs> so okay. it is. I, I mean, and again, you know, it sounds like it's just going to be, you know, gratuitous, right? It is not. I mean, yeah, like I said, there's nudity. Well, now you're talking place. me out of it, Aaron. So you just quit while you're ahead. <laughs> but yeah, but you had him sold. It is very much a political thriller, and I, I just I'm, I thoroughly dig this book. Hmm. Well, when you're at the comic store and you want to know what comes out next week, you might want to check out Batman White Knight number eight, the concluding chapter. Of the first part, um, you know, they, Sean Murphy already announced that there's going to be a, a part two later this year, but this is the last issue of Batman White Knight. 
um, comes out next Wednesday. So does that uh, Justice League No Justice storyline that was previewed in DC Nation number zero, um, as well as Mr. Miracle number nine. So before we wrap up, I do want to ask you guys, is anyone actually picking up No Justice other than me after reading DC Nation number zero? Nope. Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <sighs> well, I don't know when Aaron doesn't answer, that means no, also. No, yeah, Aaron, I, Aaron wasn't going to do that at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm still waiting for a good Justice League book to happen, Paul. That wasn't it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what Paul. I, I, I'll push. I'll, I'll, I'll take the plunge with you. Yes. Well, it's a slow week outside of that anyway. Uh, um, so I look forward to chatting about it with you, Tim. Mm. There's no new Superman for a little while until uh, Man of Steel number one starts, which I think is... I don't know. I don't know when that book comes out, but it's, it's I'm, not for I'm another o- couple I'm weeks. I'm okay waiting. I'm okay waiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right now, I'm not encouraged. I'm okay waiting. Will you buy it, though, when it comes out? I'll buy the first issue. Oh, I'll yeah. give it a and, shot. But I'm, I, I tell you, I'm not I'm not, uh, I'm not doing one of these, oh, you got to give it a couple issues to get you. If he doesn't get me in the first book, I'm done. Yeah, I would agree. Yep. So May 30th is when that, that first issue comes out. So a full month without Superman books. Well, we do have that Superman special uh, that's coming at some point, too. So, All right, guys. All right. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, we've got our Cinco de Mayo plans. We've got our free comic book day plans. We've got our uh, our, you know, Plan something for Mancon plans, something about Star Wars plans. And that's right. I, you know, not uh, not next Saturday, but the Saturday following is Mancon. Woo! Mancon. Pretty excited. You got to say it with a kind of a high-pitched, girly voice. Mancon. Mancon. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys have a good week. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.